Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, Mel King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show. Live in the Kia Studios. Final hour of the program is the start of the Brown Liquor Music Hour. Chuck always gets first quest. You know how we do it Motown Mondays? It's not just Motown Monday today, but it is Michael Jackson's birthday today. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. But a um, little Jackson 5 to get us started here. A lot of good songs from Jackson 5. They're kind of underrated because Michael became so huge. He got so big. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, uh, Jermaine had a ton of hits himself all yeah. through the 70s and 80s. I mean, they had some hits later on in the 80s and stuff like that. But Michael became so big that you, you almost kind of forget, like, how good they, they were. were together. Yeah. yeah. And they were what? They were discovered by Gladys Knight, right? I think she discovered the Jackson was 5. Was it Gladys? I know. I remember yeah. it was a female. But I, I, think it was, I think it was Gladys Knight that discovered uh, uh, the Jackson clan out of uh, out of uh, Gary, Indiana. Yep. Right? Is yep. where, they were, uh, where they were originally yep. from. So. You know, I landed in L.A. the day he died. Oh, really? Yeah. Was he died. Out. Wasn't he about my age? 50? Wasn't yeah, he? he was right. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't that old. Yeah. Well, I mean, he had, you know, look. He had certainly a lot of issues, you know, yeah. along with, I mean, not just legal issues and all that kind of stuff, yeah. but anyway, yeah. I mean, he was on, I'm sure he was on all kinds of medication because his doctor basically overdrugged yeah. him and all that and yeah. died from all that. So, yep. 404-741-0929, Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app site, catch us on the go. Social media is at 9 the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'm at JMCH316. I want to... um we got a, a whole bunch of response from people about the movie uh-huh. that, you know, we came up. We we said our top ten movies that when they're on, because I talked about Ocean's on. 13 yeah. over the weekend. Like, I can't turn that movie off. When it's on, I have to leave it on my TV mm-hmm. and watch it. And, and I'm flipping between the Braves game, and I was like, you know, Braves will be around after this is over. Let me right. watch this movie because I love it so much. So um, from the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line, Damon's got – 48 Hours, Beverly Hills Cop. That's a real good one oh, yeah. because that's yeah. that that's pretty close to my list. He's got Black Panther, Roadhouse. I had that one as well. Star Wars. All, he's got all yep. the Star Wars. Um, Commando, Harlem Knights, Iron Eagle, Revenge of the Nerds, and any of the Police Academy Awards. And then I got a whole crap ton that were on my uh, Twitter page, at JMCH316. Um, Jerry, Jerry Lane on Twitter, Trading Places, Smokey and the Bandit. 
Uh, our buddy Allen, Lethal Weapon, Back to the Future, White Man Can't Jump, Last Boy Scout, Die Hard. That's another good one, oh, too. Yeah. Die Hard is yeah. hard to turn away from, too. Um, Mr. Wolf, uh, Tombstone, Blade. Tombstone is good. Yeah. Tombstone Blade is another, Blade. Yeah. Blade's another Blade, good one. Yeah. Pitch Black, Black Panther, um, Iron Man, uh, Sons of Katie Elder. That's a good old school movie. Armageddon. Avatar, you know, I don't like Avatar. It's okay. It's yeah. not one that I, yeah. And Beverly Hills Cop, I agree. Yeah, but Beverly classic. Hills Cop is just. You're not going to fall for the bananas in the tailpipe. <laughs> Shamil on my Twitter page. Gladiator, Braveheart, Green Mile, Boys in the Hood. That's another good one. Yeah. Friday, That's a, that would have been Jarvis's a, yeah, uh, number one on could, there. Yeah. Menace of Society, Unforgiven, Open Range, Transformers, and Man on Fire. That's another good one, Man too. on Fire was good. Man I like that one. I was the one with Dakota, uh, what's her name? Denzel, uh, man. Yeah, Denzel and yeah. Dakota Fanning, yes. Yeah. That that last. That was a good one. That last 40, 45 minutes of that movie yeah. when he goes on that yeah. spree, yeah. when he starts with that guy <laughs> in that car taping yeah. his hands to the yeah. steering wheel. That's what Taken wanted to be. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. When he tells that old guy that line in that movie when he says, when when the old guy says that uh, you know God will forgive them, yeah, you know forgiveness is between them and God. And God yeah. My job's to arrange the meeting. <laughs> yes. Oh, such a great line. Yeah, that was a cla- that movie was that that was a good one. That I'm uh, that is my favorite Denzel movie. Yeah, you it know really what? Is. It might be my favorite. I mean, Training Day. It's it's between that and Training Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Training Day is tremendous. But I I just that Man on Fire movie is just. It's so good. Yeah, and the twist, the the whole twist. I mean, it was, yeah, from front to back, it was great. You know what movie of his has been on a lot here lately is that Book of Eli. You know, I couldn't get into it. It was so slow to start, and I just, every time I would try, it was just like, okay, this is just taking too long to get to whatever it's going to get to. Yeah, and I don't like the ending either. I, I don't. Okay, see, I, I haven't I, even made it that far. Oh, okay, uh, <laughs> I, I don't like the ending. I mean, I, I don't know. I get it. It 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 makes the story make sense, but I I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't care for the ending of it. Um, it, it's kind of a weird movie, right? I mean, it's the yeah. apocalypse and all that kind yeah, of stuff, you know. Yeah. And he's blind and all that stuff or whatever. But you know, anyway. So um, I don't know. It's. It's all right. It's not one of my favorite nah, uh, Denzel movies. Yeah. It's, it is a little bit kooky, but anyway. So you can hit us up with your list as well. All right. Uh, we'll have some fun coming up at 1040 because uh, Dayday wants to fuss at me about something. Oh, yes. I've also got uh, – there's a new Girl Scout cookie coming out, and I've got the WWE's best matches from the 2000s list. We had the Attitude Era last week. I've got the best matches from the 2000s. First, though, let's get to a NFL squib kick. Taking a look at the NFL with the Squib Kick with John Chuckery. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Very interesting that Jimmy Garoppolo is now going to stay with the San Francisco 49ers. So he has worked out a new contract that's going to keep him in San Francisco for this season. And it's a it's a non it says a non-guaranteed base salary. Uh, or sorry, he had a non-guaranteed base salary of $24.2 million, but now he's going to get a fully guaranteed $6.5 million with incentives that could push the compensation up to as much as $16 million if he gets significant playing time. Um, now, obviously, they've already named Trey Lance as the starter for the team, right? There's also a no-trade clause, and it will prevent the 49ers from putting the franchise tag on Garoppolo next year. So this is very weird 
but let's call it like it is. They have a Super Bowl roster with a young quarterback that they believe in but don't fully trust. Yeah, well, remember I told you I when they first made the announcement that they were going to try to move on, I was not convinced that Shanahan was really all on board. 1,000% yeah. letting Trey Lance take over the yeah. team. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's obviously with this deal that, you know, if it goes sideways, he has the ability to make a crap ton of money, but it's a good starting point, and they don't want to move on from him. So, interesting. I mean, I'm not telling you that they don't believe in Trey Lance, but eh, they want their backup plan. They don't want to get stuck. Yep. You know, look, here's what they don't want to be. Deshaun Watson and Jacoby Brissett. Exactly. They don't want to be a Super Bowl team looking at Jacoby Brissett for two-thirds of the season saying, oh, crap. Right. This is what we got? <laughs> right. They don't want to be in that position. Because remind me again, where were they last year? Where'd they finish? Oh, they finished uh, say the NFC title the game. NFC title, yeah. 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 <laughs> say, say they just lost out in the NFC title game. So, you know, um, they, they've got a Super Bowl-ready roster, and you can't mess around, right? And I give Shanahan credit. You can't mess around when you've got a roster. All right. Um, boy, lots of uh, releases already, and especially from uh, some Falcons. So the Dolphins have released both Sony Michelle and Mohamed Sanu. Obviously, Sanu here uh, in Atlanta. Sony Michelle, 27 years old. He signed a one-year deal um, earlier this year after his with the Rams and um, obviously won a couple Super Bowls with the Patriots and this, then the other. So... Interesting. I don't know what he's got, but 27, still very young. We saw him over the weekend, that talking about pronouns, pal, Laquan Treadwell for the Jaguars, right? We saw Laquan Treadwell. Well, he got released today. So they actually released Tyrell Adams, Rudy Ford, Casey McDermott, and Laquan Treadwell. Um, Treadwell is very interesting, man. Former first-round pick and... He just, you know, he's never kind of figured it out in the NFL. He was a high first-round pick, too. This is what I talk about all the time, that you never – listen, Laquan Treadwell coming out of college looked the part. Big, physical, fast, can do just about anything. Was a monster at Old Miss, but he's that cautionary tale of – you think that a guy, you know, can do everything, and then he can't. And especially at that wide receiver position. Look, coming out of college, he was as talented as anybody in the country. Immensely talented player and just could never work it all out. In Minnesota, in Jacksonville, here in Atlanta, and everything. So, very, uh, very interesting. Um, Mason Rudolph is all of a sudden becoming a hot commodity. So, according to reports, quote-unquote, Mason Rudolph, the Steelers are getting a lot of trade calls from Mason Rudolph. Uh, they've been hearing from teams interested in potential trade for him. General Manager Omar, Omar Khan said on All Things Covered this weekend that he anticipates holding on to all three quarterbacks and they'd likely to prefer to have an experienced player on hand. Here's the problem, though. One of those guys probably goes to the practice squad and then let's see what happens, right? Kenny Pickett has won that job, I believe. I mean, I, I think he's just flat out won that job. I don't know what the fascination is about Mason Rudolph, but okay. Again, every you know teams are looking for guys, especially with the expanded uh, practice squad now. Guys are looking for people to stash and dash out there, right? So, 
Um, Bill Belichick talking about the preseason and his thoughts about it. Talking to Mike, uh, is it Reese of ESPN? Um, I'll do this in my Belichick voice, okay? Yeah, preseason's preseason. You know, preseason's about developing your team for the season and evaluating the players. You know, if you look at the play time in our games and any other games, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Las Vegas played 30 players. I don't think Carolina must have been 30 players that didn't play in their game against us. That's that's not what preseason's really about, though. Preseason is about evaluating the players that you do play and taking the practice time and joint practices, whatever you have to prepare your team for the regular season where everybody's on that. And we'll see after five or six weeks of the regular season. Then, then, then that's when we'll go up. I think the preseason games are a real big factor in uh, what the team is or isn't a big indicator of what they are or not. One way or the other, it's not about us. It's about the NFL. You know, we're on to Cincinnati. So, anyway, there you go. That's pretty good, Chuck. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> not bad. And every so often I get, uh, get a little bit something right. Um, look, you know, when you've done what Bill Belichick does, you have a pretty good handle on your roster and your evaluation, right? You know, and let's face it, he's also the general manager. So he's put the roster together. So he's evaluated them before they get to practice and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying Arthur Smith hasn't helped put together the roster, but that's Terry Fontenot's job, right, is roster construction. And they don't necessarily do it together, but they also don't do it apart, but it's not Arthur Smith's job to put together a roster. They keep him in the loop. They keep him informed. But the final decision comes down to their general manager for all of it. So easier for Belichick in the position that he's in to be able to do all that and make those kinds of calls. All right, when we come back, speaking of uh, the NFL and the Falcons more specifically, what did we learn from the Falcons in the preseason? We took some phone calls earlier. If you want to hit us up at 404-741-0929, we'll open up the phone lines back to you. But what did we learn from the preseason with the Atlanta Falcons? We'll talk about that next. Chuck, we're in the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, not the game in the Odyssey.com app. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Key Studios on this Monday evening. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media at 929 The Game 
at JMCH316 on Twitter. At the top of the hour, JR Sports Brief, Brown Liquor Music Hour rolling around long. It is Michael Jackson's birthday today. We do Motown Monday, of course, but we'll talk a little bit about Michael coming up here in the uh, in the next segment uh, as we head to the top of the hour of the JR Sports Brief, as we said. So um, we said we'll open up the phone lines. We took some calls earlier on this, but what did we learn now that the Falcons preseason is over? And obviously we get ready for tomorrow. By 4 o'clock tomorrow, the Falcons have to pare their roster down to 53. And a lot of teams we've already talked about in the last segment are already making several cuts, right? Falcons really haven't released anybody yet. And they stay. I thought maybe they'd release a guy or two when they got down to 80 and get down to 77, 78 and start bringing guys in, but they didn't. They stayed at 80. Now they're going to go down to 53 by tomorrow, whether that's early, late, whatever like that. But by 4 o'clock tomorrow, they have to be at 53. And that's not even going to guarantee you that their roster is complete once they do that. I still think they're going to sign one or more guys to be a part of all of this, and they're going to add either another offensive lineman, another defensive lineman, or both, or what have you. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But um, just because they get down to 53 tomorrow doesn't mean that that's the, the full roster come week one against the New Orleans Saints. So what have we learned? Number one is I think that we learned that Arthur Smith is trying to change up the culture. They want to win even if it means the preseason, right? They want to win even in the preseason and change up the idea of what this franchise is. I think that's I think that's first and foremost that anybody who thinks that they're going to tank, that they're going to settle for a draft pick or this, any other, they're not settling for anything like that. It may work itself out that way. But they are, not, they are not thinking tanking or anything like that. They want to win as many football games as they possibly can. If that's three, if that's nine, if that's 12, if that's 15, they're trying to win it every week. And they feel like that they have the roster in place to do that. Now, whether they do, again, that's what you start week one and you start playing games for, right? But that's number one is, is getting the culture on track to want to have winning football. Number two is I think we learned that Desmond Ritter can play and he can be competent in the NFL. Does that mean he's going to be Russell Wilson? Does that mean he's going to be Tom Brady? Does that mean he's going to be Drew Brees? Whatever comparison you want to make, I don't know. No way to know. And I don't think after one year we'll have a, gl- a glimpse, or I should say more of a full book like I described before. And I will say again that if it works out that the Falcons are a top one, two, three pick and they have a shot at one of those quarterbacks, even if Ritter plays well, I think you draft quarterback. Will, will they? I don't know. But I, I don't like the idea of if if I'm winning one, two, three, four games with my quarterbacks in place, then with all due respect, I don't necessarily have the right quarterback. Remember, the Falcons were a four-win team in 2007. They were four wins in 2007. They went to 11 wins in 2008. Day-Day, ask me. Ask me what was one of the biggest reasons why they went from 4 to 11 wins in one year. What was the biggest reason why? Because in 2008, they drafted Matt Ryan. Hmm. And they, in 07, they were four wins. In 08, they were 11. It wasn't coincidence that Matt Ryan coming in found a way to win games. Now, Michael Turner had a big hand in that. Obviously, Mike Smith had a big hand in that. But you had to get the quarterback right. If you'd, if you'd have played two – does anybody think that if you'd have played 2008 with Byron Leftwich and Joey Harrington – like what you had at the end of 07. Because that's what you were left with at the end of 07. After Mike goes to federal prison, when he's in the Hooskow, and you got Joey Harrington and Byron Leftwich. Think they'd have won 11 games with those two guys in 08? 
I will guarantee you that you would not have won 11 games with those guys. And it's not even Matt was a dominant quarterback, but he was good enough, and he didn't kill you. He didn't make a lot of mistakes. And you could tell that he was different. And obviously it, it worked itself out, right? And you ended up with the best player in the, the history of the franchise, the most important player that the franchise has ever drafted. It changed the direction of what your franchise was, you know, even to this day, right? 57,000 yards and multiple conference championship games and a Super Bowl appearance and everything else. Later, it changed up the direction of what your franchise was for 14 years. So I, I think that if Ritter has to come in, I think he can play. I think that's I think I think he can do some good things, but I don't know if he's the long-term answer. We won't even know that probably after this year. We won't even have a complete picture on Desmond Ritter after just one season. But I think he can play. I think the other thing we learned is that there is a definite commitment to the run game. You know, if you look at the number of attempts, yards, yards per carry, you know, which I think the running backs ended up averaging four yards per carry when all was said and done. It's obviously going to be a different style of offense, a different look, different feel. It's not going to be drop back and huck it all around. So their commitment to the running game is going to show. And as we always said, Bill Parcells, the first stat he looked at on the offensive sheet was how many rushing attempts did we have? I think this is going to be a team that you're going to, that's the first thing we're going to look at is how many times did they run the football? If they have to throw it 40 times, they're going to be in trouble. But they're going to try to run it a whole crap ton. And, look, whether their offensive line can hold up and do it, that's a whole separate conversation. But their philosophy and what they want to do and be, you saw what it was in the preseason. They want to be a a very much run-first type of team and learn to establish that. What else did we learn? I think that we learned that they're going to be better in their pass rush, and part of that is going to come from the fact that they're going to get better inside defensive line play. Grady back. Obviously, you know, the things that Taquan Graham did, I thought he looked good in the preseason. But a lot of times when they did get pressure in this preseason, it was coming through their middle guys. Wasn't a whole crap ton from the outside guys, Carter and Ebikati and, you know, Ogundaje and guys like that. A lot of it came from what the interior of their offense or defensive line, excuse me, was able to do. And I think that's what they're hoping for is that you can – you can get your end guys, but you also have to get pressure up the middle on quarterbacks in the NFL. If you can get pressure up the middle on quarterbacks in the NFL, as we've always learned with Tom Brady and everybody else, you make everything much, much more difficult, right? So I think that they're going to be better through the middle part of their pass rush. I would assume that they'll be better on the outside end and edge as well, but I think that the middle of their pass rush, which is, let's be honest, it's been dreadful. Outside of Grady Jarrett, it's been dreadful. The other things we learned that I still don't have a clear picture on the running back situation. I know Patterson's RB1. I think Algier's RB2. And I think they're going to play a third guy, whether that's Allison, Williams, Huntley, whoever. And Avery Williams is in the running back room, but he's going to be a return guy. I don't think we have a clear picture at wide receiver either. Without seeing Drake London, without seeing a whole lot of Brian Edwards, you know, if that's going to be your two starters, then – Okay, we didn't get a we didn't get a real good feel for those guys. Like Edwards, and like we can bring, but obviously we did not see very much at all. We saw five plays of Drake London in the first preseason game, and then he was out, and he hasn't even practiced. And by the way, Arthur Smith said today that he is happy with where London is at, but he's still not practicing. Okay, and he would not commit to London being ready for Week One. 
Now, that's gamesmanship, and I understand that. But can I tell you, if if for whatever reason London is not ready to go by week one, I'm already going to have reservations about this. And I'm going to go ahead and jump to conclusions if not. I'm going off what the coach has said. He's going to be fine. He'll be ready, this, any other. But they wouldn't commit, and he's not practicing yet, which, you know, again, okay. That tells me, though, that that the knee is worse than what they've led you to believe early on. Because if he can't even if it's a if it's just about a month and he can't practice, what does that say? That's not just a, you know, oh, I just kind of tweaked it or whatever like that. Because rookies need to practice. It ain't like your quarterback and your wide receiver have a whole bunch of time together, right? Especially your starting quarterback. You haven't had a whole lot of time together. You want to build that chemistry up. And to be honest with you, your rookie needs to learn how to block. Your rookie needs to learn how to block. That's another way that you got to make your bones in the NFL is you do have to learn how to block some. Especially if you're not going to be an offense that's going to throw it. And it's one thing if you're a wide receiver in offense that throws it 50 times a game. Right? You ain't going to worry so much about that. They ain't throwing it 50 times a game, folks. They ain't, they ain't throwing it 50 times. If they have to throw it 50 times, they're going to lose every time. They're going to get blown off the field and all of that. So I think the wide receiver position still has a lot of questions to it. I don't think we have clarity about the center position either. I think that's another thing that we learned is what, what have we got at center? I don't think we know yet. And I don't think we're going to know who's going to start at center for the Falcons until we get to probably Wednesday or maybe Thursday of game week next week. When they start prepping specifically for the New Orleans Saints next week, I don't think we're going to have an idea of who's going to start at center until we get into probably Wednesday or Thursday of next week. They get back from the Tuesday day off, and then they start prepping for New Orleans. I think that's when we'll start to see, when they, when they get guys running with the first team out there. Um, I think the future of Deion Jones is still up in the air. They can say what they want, but he sure played a lot in that final preseason game. For a guy who just came back off the pup list, just came back off a couple of days before, he sure did play a lot. Was that showcasing him or see what he's got to be a part of all this? You know, which one was that? Was it to make sure that he's got something left in the tank, you know, and can be a part of this defense? Or was that to show some teams, hey, he's healthy. Hey, he's ready to go. He played special teams and this, that, and the other. I still go back last week to what Arthur Smith said when he said, you know, oh, well, you know, I mean, he's doing a good job of working himself back in. But, you know, it's going to be hard for him to get on the field with this group. Can I tell you, they don't exact – that ain't exactly, you know, Jack Ham and Jack Lambert and guys like that that they, you know, line it up against. You know, that's not Carl Banks and Lawrence Taylor and Harry Carson – you know, their linebackers are okay, but they ain't that good. Two years ago, you'd have never said something. You'd have never uttered the words two years ago. Whew, Dion's going to have a hard time getting on the field. That only be because he had his leg amputated. That's That would have been why he would had a hard time getting on the field. So, another one of those things where you talk about maybe potential trade and things like that that, that go on, maybe for a player, maybe for a draft pick or what have you. That's out there. Keep your eye on all of that. But I thought the Falcons did a lot of good things in this preseason. And again, as I keep saying, hope springs eternal, right? I'm going to believe and buy in, and I don't think they're going to be a two-win team. I don't think they're going to be as bad as what some of the pundits think. I think they're going to go over their win total. 
which was four and a half. I think they're going to go over all of that. And you play the games and you see what you got for it all. But I think they did some good things in the preseason. I think the guys, I think there were guys that that won themselves jobs on this roster. And I think there were some guys that acquitted themselves well. Do I think there's going to be some surprises? I think Marlon Davidson's a guy that's on the edge. I think he could get an injury settlement and be done with him. I think Jalen Mayfield's another guy who could get an injury settlement and be done with him. I could see one or both of those guys not being on the roster when all is said and done. And that may be an injury settlement buyout and this, that, and the other, and they move on from one or both those guys. Or maybe none. They may look at Mayfield and say, he's got to be our swing guard. But he's going to go from not he's going to go from starting every game last year to there isn't a chance in this world unless there's injury in front of him that he would start for this team. No chance. There's a better chance Day Day will start at uh, at left guard before Jalen Mayfield would. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be a big day tomorrow. We're going to try to talk to D Led coming up tomorrow as well. All right, Day Day is going to fuss at me. We're going to talk about Michael's birthday and the matches uh, from the. Uh, 2000s in WWE. Well, next, Chuck in the Key Studios. Sports right now, that game on us.com now. Radio 92 down the game. Back with you, John Chuckry Show. Hanging out in the Kia studios on this Monday evening. 404 741 0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Honestly, upside catches on the go. Social media is at night on the game at JMCH316. Top of the hour, JR Sports Brief. Don't forget, show tomorrow. United on Wednesday. College football game time Thursday. High school scoreboard show coming up on Friday. Uh, it is Michael Jackson's birthday today. Day Day, I've said um, this album is better than Thriller. Yeah, definitely. Top to bottom, this yep. album is better than Thriller. Yep. Now, the top two songs on Thriller, I think, are better. Beat It and Billie Jean. Mm-hmm. But the but I'm I'm telling you, folks, I'm just listen, to old Chucker here. Okay, <laughs> listen to this album from start to finish, yes. and tell me anything wrong with it. This yeah. this is a masterpiece. Like this is. If there are, t- if I'm on a desert island, I only get ten albums. This is one of this the ten. This is one, yeah. I'm, I'm with telling you. you, like this is one of the ten. You know, if I can't have a greatest hits album, like this is one of my ten albums yeah. that I'm taking with me yeah, because with this you. album is phenomenal. I'm, I'm telling you too, if you get a chance on uh, what is it, the uh, the chick flicks, mm-hmm. the Netflix, Netflix, okay, uh-huh. watch the Quincy Jones documentary okay. that they have on there, okay, okay, and. I'm telling you, when you get to this point, when he gets into 77, 78, 79, 80, when he's got Michael that he's working with, when he's working with Brothers Johnson, mm-hmm. when he's doing all this stuff, he's doing some of his own stuff. Like, I'm all, I was all in my feels. When you see this all getting put together, right? Like, this is my era. This okay. is, this is. This is my era of music right here. <laughs> you give me late '70s disco. Yeah. Give me all this, all this, all day long. But this album is just tremendous. And I, you know, it's funny. I remember buying Thriller. Mm-hmm. I, I can remember going to the store and buying the record Thriller. Right. 
You know, it was one of the first records that I bought. I remember buying that. You know, because when this came out, I was one old enough to do much of anything. Right. I mean, I was, I don't know. This came out, what, 79? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so, you so were I mean, what, I was like, nine. Seven, okay, I was like yeah. nine, maybe. I was like nine when this came out. Maybe this was 79, 80. I was somewhere like nine years old. Right. You know, but by the time Thriller came out, I was like 11 or 12 or something like that. Right. So um, I, I had more awareness. But I had the album. I had the, I had the uh, cassette. Mm-hmm. And I had the CD of uh, Thriller. Wow. Because you had to have it. Yeah, I had the actual, I don't know if you remember, there were actually like sticker trading cards for Michael Jackson yes. at one point. And I yes. used to actually collect those. And I I still have some of them like on a like an old notebook. Oh, it's too bad I'll bring, you I'll bring it in. I'll bring you know, I know I should have kept them had yes. I known, kept yes. them. But I was, you yes. know, who would have thought? The, yes, you know. I you know. know. And, that, and it's funny. Once they get stuck on something, yeah. they ain't worth nothing. Yeah. But man, yeah. if you'd have had them like. Still on yes. the things, I yes. know, I know, yes. I know. All right, now you wanted to fuss at me about something. Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, we, you're, you're probably the the top wrestling buff, and but I have enough wrestling, you know, mm-hmm. like fandom oh, yeah. no, in me can, that we have yeah, good we conversations, can, we right? Can, we can talk a lot about wrestling. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I think it was Friday night after uh, high school football. I get home and I'm working on some video, and you know, I go to upload video on YouTube. You know, YouTube based on things you watch it always kind of populates some things that it, right. it, it thinks you may have some interest in and so i see in the corner there as i'm getting ready to go upload a video that um someone made a return to wwe and i'm like that damn chuckery said nothing about this so i see that trish stratus oh well she still looking good yes well she now listen that's because they were in Toronto. Right. Uh, and I think that was actually Raw. I think it was last Monday. It was last week, Monday. Yeah, yes. it was last Monday at Raw. They were in Toronto, which mm-hmm. is her hometown. Exactly. Yes, that's why. they Because tonight they're in Pittsburgh and they brought Kurt Angle back. Okay. Tonight. So he's Kurt Angle is in Pittsburgh tonight for WWE Raw. So that's, that's, so this has now become Triple H's thing is. They're mixing in the nostalgia, right? They're bringing back the stars because let's face it. I mean, this is the most eye-opening thing Mm -hmm. when you watch these WWE biographies, okay? And and uh, our buddy Rusty asked me, "Did I see the Rey Mysterio last night? Was Rey Mysterio?" Okay, I saw it, and it was really good. And uh, you know, again, I'll never understand why Bischoff took his mask off, right? Um, Right, and I get it. Bischoff wanted to make him a a bigger star than just a masked wrestler. Right. You can't you can't you can't push him to the top without taking his mask off. But he proved you could. Right. Okay. When he came back to WWE, when he came to WWE and all that in 06, he proved that you could. But Bischoff didn't understand that. But I, it was a really good documentary. But the stuff and then the following the rivals with him and Eddie, mm-hmm. like that's what made WCW Nitro. So good is Eddie mm-hmm. Ray and Dean Malenko yeah. and those cruiserweight matches. Yes, you know they brought. Um, uh, oh gosh, you know even in the early days when it was Pillman and uh, oh, yeah. who was Flying it? Brian uh, Pillman. Yes, yes and, man. and who was it? Uh, was it Jushin Liger and Pillman? Yes. Some of those matches, like that's what made WCW in the mid '90s in Nitro. Yeah, was like Halloween Havoc '96, Halloween Havoc '97. Mm-hmm. Those matches with. Ray Mysterio and Dean Malenko with Eddie Guerrero and yeah. Ray Mysterio. That's what made WCW 
so different. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what made their undercard is what besides the NWO running wild and doing right. their thing. But those guys underneath were revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Like they were unbelievable. So it was fantastic. But it is obvious when you watch those WWE biographies mm-hmm. and you look at the way the crowds responded, yeah. you look at the signs, you look at the performers. Like I got Raw up here right now. With all due respect to Raw, and this is nothing compared to what 96, 97, yeah. 98, 99, 2000, 2001. Like it doesn't compare. Yeah. And and that's the thing and that's why they have to bring some of that nostalgia back because not a knock against today's performers. They but just don't. They don't. They bring just don't it. hold up. Yeah, they don't bring when it the way they, those, they, those they, performers They can't did. hold up, and there's a and it's more than just the performers themselves. The material and stuff like that. They're they're script yeah. writing and all that stuff. There's a lot of craziness with it, but you can't look at those era. You can't look at that stuff of those guys in that era of the mid to late '90s, early 2000s, and and even compare what this stuff is now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. when there's 10 million people on Monday night watching the two shows. When both places, when, you know, on Nitro, they're at the Georgia Dome with 40,000 mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And Raw's got 15,000 people in their building. Yeah. You know, you got 50,000, 60,000 people watching these shows. You got arenas that, that have, you know, two arenas that have 20, 25,000 people in them mm-hmm. on a Monday night a with Monday competing night. shows that yeah. you can't capture that magic again. You know, it, I mean, it, me, it's so. Two things. One, me and two of my best friends, uh, one of them uh, passed away, God rest his soul. But we literally, every Monday during that time, beer, food, and wrestling. Yeah. And we sat there. We would round robin meet. You know, one week we were at somebody's house, mine, whatever. We rotated. And this was our routine. Every mm-hmm. Monday, I want to say almost for a good year. Like, yeah. that's how solid it was. And then I remember when... The night Goldberg beat Hogan and uh, Scott Hall right here in the Georgia Dome mm-hmm. all the way out of the stadium. I'm talking about a sold-out stadium all the way out. Goldberg chants. I mean, as oh, yeah. people were leaving yep. the arena. Yep. Like, yeah. just – I was I was not there for that one, but I was there for a couple of other – I was around for a couple other Nitro mm-hmm. shows, and – Goldberg was a complete phenomenon. Yes. I mean, he was a complete phenomenon unto himself. Yep. And it was. And it was, you know, it, it's – you just – you'll never capture that time no. again. Look, if the Falcons weren't playing <laughs> on Monday night, like I never <laughs> – right. I never – I'll be honest with you. I mean, I really didn't care about Monday night football. I still right. don't care about Monday night football. Right. If the Falcons aren't playing, I don't care about Monday night football. Right. I could really care less about – Denver and Seattle or <laughs> Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. I could care less. Yeah, like yeah. If, unless the Falcons are playing on Monday. But how often through the mid late nineties did the Falcons play on Monday right. night? Like they right. barely ever played. Hardly because, ever. Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, look, they weren't they didn't you know, they had a, a few times with Mike here or there. I was about to say they didn't really garner it until right. after Vic, yeah. Right. I mean, you know, and that was in the two thousands because mm-hmm. Mike was drafted in 01. Yep. But late nineties Falcons yeah, I mean that's Jeff George and Bobby Abear, mm-hmm. and you know that's June Jones, and yep. you know I was here when Jerry was was uh, when '93 when I moved here. Jerry was still coaching yeah. the team. Mm-hmm. You know that was Jim Mora and in yeah. that you know late '90s era. Yep. You know before you know uh, Dan obviously the Super Bowl year '98. Right. You know, but most of those years they weren't very good. You know '98 mm-hmm. was different, but I'm trying to think. I don't think they played 
I don't think the Falcons played a Monday night game in 98. I don't remember, but I don't remember them playing a Monday night game. I remember the I remember the Indy game. Um, I remember or the, the um, uh, I remember the Patriots game up there that really kind of turned the season. Mm-hmm. I remember the Jets because that was one of the starts that Steve DeBerg made. Right. I remember the game in San Francisco. I remember the 49ers game here. But I don't think that the Falcons played Monday night that year. But short of that, it was wrestling, man. It was flipping yep. back and forth between and those forth between those two, two shows yep. out there. Um, so very quickly here, the number one match that they list from the 2000s of WWE is Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. Really? Now, me personally... I prefer the match at 26, which was the retirement match for Shawn Michaels. Yeah. That was his retire. 26 was the retirement match. 25 is tremendous. I love 26 and the storyline and everything with it. The second match they list is the WrestleMania 17, the Dudleys, Edge and Christian, and the Hardy Boys. This was, again, this was another. This was the TLC. Yes, this was the TLC. This was the second TLC. This thing is a complete spectacle to, to watch, but it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, WrestleMania 21, Angle and Shawn Michaels. That was a great match, but what was even better than than the match was the buildup. Right. That was the that was the Kurt Angle singing "Sexy Boy" mm-hmm. with Sherry Martell. <laughs> yeah, sure, the yeah. build up to that match was fantastic. Yes. Like, that was Kurt Angle at some of his best That was stuff. his best. Like, he, his heel, like, if you rank heel performances, he's got to be top oh, five. Oh, he was tremendous. I yeah. mean, he was fantastic. And that stuff that he did, mocking Shawn Michaels, doing the <laughs> yeah. sexy boy and all that, fantastic <laughs> stuff. So, there you go. That's that's the top. But I like, I personally like Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker at 26 for the retirement uh, match. But, all right, we uh, got to wrap things up with the Love TKO up next. Sports Radio to the Game, Odyssey.com app. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. 
Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theatre in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheatre.com.